Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. So we've been doing a series on the parable of the sower. And last week, we defined what a parable is. A parable is simply a natural story that Jesus used parables, natural stories, to teach on a spiritual truth. Now, we know from reading, and I don't have time to go back, but we know from reading the Scripture that Jesus says to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear, and blessed is your heart, for it understands. Meaning, when your time you come to church and God shows you something from the Bible that is truly God blessing you, I mean, abundantly for giving you discernment regarding the truth. And then once he gives that to you, then you get the awesome responsibility of walking that truth out in your life. Can I have an amen? But it is a great blessing. Before I was saved, I'd read the Bible and couldn't understand anything. Once I received Christ in my heart and opened my heart to him, the Holy Spirit began to instruct me in the truth of God's word. And I'm so grateful to this day for that. So a parable is using an actual story to teach a spiritual truth. And Jesus, of course, uh, here in the parable, the story, he uses it to show us exactly how the kingdom of God operates. And we'll look at this. And last week we saw in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God is within you. Say the kingdom of God is within me. If you're born again, if you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, his kingdom is now on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is within you. Hallelujah. We who are born again, let me just share this for a moment. We who are born again actually belong to another kingdom. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's the unseen eternal kingdom that is promised us who are born again that once we leave this planet, we will enter into the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, there is someone enthroned at the right hand of God, and his name is Jesus. He is the king in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? And we are heirs to everything that's promised in that kingdom. There are no, no, there are no shortages in the kingdom of heaven. There's no pain in the kingdom of heaven. There's no sickness, no fear, no oppression, no division. Come on, everybody. Hallelujah. Everything of that sort is completely, uh, with, that is part of the curse that um, came in, entered the earth through Adam's disobedience. But, um, of course, until we get there, God has blessed us who have surrendered our lives to Christ. Uh, with uh, Inside, we have the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Mark, the fourth chapter, and we're going to be, uh, begin at verse 26 before we go to verse 1. Just wanted to repeat just a little bit here to prepare you on the things that Jesus taught. Uh, verse 26 says this, here is another story illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. So what is it like? He tells us, a farmer sowed, the Bible says, his field. So, right away, we know that the kingdom of God has to do with farming. has to do with farming. It has to do with sowing and reaping. It has to do with seed time and harvest. That's how the kingdom of God operates. Meaning, what does that mean? Whatever the kingdom of God has, whatever, whatever is, is promised from the word of God in regards to the kingdom of God, it's access to us through seed time and harvest. Amen. And I could just, so many things I could go off, but it reminded me immediately of, of God's kingdom when, he, when Adam fell. The first thing that God did is he declared his will. He said this in Luke and Genesis 3.15. He said, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. So he released his will through his faith and with his confession. He declared what he wanted. 
He didn't declare, Adam, you idiot, you're, now you're going to die. He didn't say that. Well, he said, he said, he said to the serpent, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. See, the seed. So the kingdom of God is based on seed, time, and harvest. And uh, aren't you glad that God reaped a harvest? It took 4,000 years, but he reaped a harvest of redemption for all humanity because of his faith in and his de- declaration of his will. So a farmer, listen to this. A, a, a farmer knows that unless he does his part regarding seed time and harvest, he's not guaranteed a return. He's not guaranteed a harvest. Uh, so what's his part? Number one, the farmer's got to, number one, break up the soil. He's got to cultivate and break up the soil of the ground. Why? Because by breaking it up, it gives the seed a chance to get into the ground. Number two, he's got to scatter the seed. Once he scatters the seed, even the Bible, as we read this here today, once he scatters the seed into the place where God called it to germinate, it will germinate and it will grow all by itself. And the Bible says, we'll read this, says the, the, the seed or the ground will make it grow. All right, so it's going to germinate, and best of all, it's going to bring back what God called a supernatural return, some 30, 60, and 100-fold. Isn't that neat? It, that's, what, that's the return. That's why when we bring our finances, we can believe God for a supernatural return. Why? Why? Because he said it. I didn't say it. He said it. And he, he's so gracious and so abounding and so abundant in his kindness towards us that he would want us to have a 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Come on, give God praise for that. Is that awesome or what? That is, that's what he promised from his word. So um, the farmer knows, number three, that he's responsible to oversee the field throughout this growing season. Uh, he's responsible to make sure that it's not attacked by, by either uh, insects or, or by uh, weeds uh, or, uh, or by uh, worms. Okay, let's go on. Here's another story illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer sold his field, and he went away, and as the days went by, the seeds grew, watch this, and grew without his help. For the soil made the seeds grow. You don't have to worry. Once you get the seed into the ground, the soil makes the seed grow. Okay, let's go on. Uh, first, a leaf blade pushed through, and later the wheat heads formed, and finally the grain ripened. And then the farmer came at once with a sickle and harvested it. Verse 30, then Jesus asked, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story, what story, he says, shall I use to illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed, though this is one of the smallest of seeds, yet it grows to become one of the largest plants with long branches where birds can build their nests and be sheltered. The Bible says, once it gets into the soil, it grows. It grows and increases. It grows and increases. It grows and increases. It becomes something. When the Word of God is planted in your life, you begin to grow. And you become things that you would have never become without the Word of God in your life. You become more loving. Okay, a few of you. Amen. You become more compassionate. I mean, you become more Christ-like. Amen. If you allow that seed to grow. The parable of the sower then is really about three, four different environments in which the seed of God's Word was planted into the hearts of men. And uh, out of the four environments, only one produced a harvest, meaning farming isn't that easy. You really have to be disciplined if, uh, and, and wise if you're going to reap a harvest, okay? And the ground, of course, is the heart of the spirit of man. 
And the Apostle Paul actually confirms this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you are God's garden, a vineyard, and a field under cultivation. You are. But you're the one. You're the one who determines what kind of seed is going to be planted. You are God's garden. That's why Paul went on to say, take heed who builds thereon. You got to make sure, you know, you got to make sure you're wise in who's investing in you the seed that's either going to profit your life or weaken your life. Take away the things that God had promised from your life. Listen, your life, both physically and spiritually, had its beginning in seed form. Your salvation had its beginning in seed form. It was a seed before it became a harvest. Your, your hopes and your dreams, they begin in seed form. Amen. God, or if it's not God, you know, as a parent, you may tell your children something. You say, children, we're going to Disney World in March. Well, if it's January, every day from that point on, they're expecting to go to Disney World. Their faith is out there. The seed has been planted, and they're filled with hope and expectation. Can I have an amen? It's exactly, that's that childlike faith. It's finding a promise from God's word and then simply receiving that into your heart so that, and then praising God that that is germinating and growing in your life and that it will come to fruition if you stay um, in faith and faithful to God. Amen. I said amen. Mark the fourth chapter. Let's continue. Verse 21. Then he asked them, this is Jesus speaking, when someone lights a lamp, does he put a box over it to shut out the light? Well, of course not. The light couldn't be seen or used. A lamp is placed on a stand to shine and be useful. So what does this have to do with us? Well, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 5, he said to the disciples, you are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. Yeah. Then he goes on and says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your, let, and I like this translation, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So there are good deeds or there are God deeds that God willed for you, uh, for, for you to manifest in your life so people can come to know the Lord. Amen. And those good deeds or those God deeds really are discovered in the, uh, uh, the attributes of God in Galatians 5.22, which are, which, uh, which are, I'll read these here, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they're all intertwined. Listen, all these nine fruit of the Spirit are intertwined in the spiritual DNA of every born-again believer. All right? The love is the foundation. Self-control caps it off. And... Um, and, they all, and they all, they're all seeds that you need to sow into your life if you want to reap a harvest. Ephesians 5, this is, I had to read this before we go on. For though once your heart was full of darkness, now it is full of light from the Lord. He, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says this, and your, behavior, and your behavior should show it. Because of this light within you, you should do only what is good and right and true. Learn as you go along what pleases the Lord. Learn what pleases God. Don't learn what pleases me. Don't learn what pleases your family, your husband, your wife. Learn what pleases God. That's what he says. Take no part in the worthless pleasures of evil and darkness, but instead rebuke and expose them. It would be shameful even to mention here those pleasures of darkness that the ungodly do. So he's not giving us a license to do those things. He doesn't, he, he wants, he doesn't want that because if you do those things, the, the very light that is in you becomes dark. And if the light within you is dark, how can the 
how can the unbeliever get saved? It would be shameful. Oh, verse 13. But when you expose them, the light shines upon their sin and shows it up. And when they see how wrong they really are, some of them may even become children of light. That is why God says in the scriptures, Awake, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Now let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 1. And the Bible says, Jesus began to teach by the uh, seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so they entered into the ship and sat into the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Watch this. And he taught them many things by parables or by natural stories. He wanted to teach a spiritual truth by using a natural story, okay? And watch this. Hearken, verse 3, behold, they're one out of sower to sow. For sake of time, we won't read the next portion of Scripture. We'll just run through them because we read it last week. There were four types of soil to which the, the, the sower sowed it. Sowed. It was hard ground, it was stony ground, it was thorny ground, and it was good ground, okay? Let's do it again. It was hard ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. All very important that you understand the four types of ground that the seed was planted into. So let's watch how God ties us in with the kingdom of God. Verse 14. The Bible says the sower sows the word. So now we know what kind of seed the farmer is planting. He's planting the word of God. See, God's word is seed. The Bible is the seed bag that contains the seeds of life for you in your life. Amen. When we get to heaven, we won't need what we have. Yes, we will, we will go forever throughout heaven learning the things of God because God is unending in his knowledge and insight. Is that cool or what? In 1981, we went, um, we went, 1980, we went down to Ramah uh, to go to school, Ramah Bible Training Center in Tulsa. And, of course, 1981, I got saved in 1971, so I was uh, uh, in 1980, so that's nine years a Christian. But in the nine years as a Christian, I had not grown a whole lot only because I was working 14 to 16 hours a day traveling on the road in the trucking business, just working, 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 working to provide for my family. And so when we went to Ramah in 1980, uh, we had a a few thousand dollars in the bank that we had got from the business, and then we we bought a house right away when we get down there, and and, uh, and it was kind of neat because we only had the house for, for uh, 10 months, and, and we, made, uh, we profited 6000 bucks when we left Tulsa. So that added to our accounts when we came up. We had something to live on. But when we sat in class from 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30, whatever time class started, it was 8 or 8.30, till noon, I was, I was complete. And I'm just telling you what it was for me. Maybe it was for everybody. It was for me. Revelation flowed nonstop for three and a half hours. I mean, you could not, I, could not, I could not wait to get back to school the next morning to hear more revelation knowledge. Amen. So we, I mean, it was nonstop. It was nonstop for a solid nine months. Nonstop revelation knowledge. I mean, we were like little kids in a candy store. I mean, that's how exciting it was. And, and not realizing, hold on now, not realizing that we were getting this for a purpose it was to prepare us for ministry or prepare us for entering into hell. Because <laughs> when you step in the ministry, all hell is coming against you. Can you hear me? That's true. So that's why when revelation comes to you, it's for a purpose. It's to prepare you. It's to get you ready because the enemy is not going to leave you alone whether you're, you're a Christian or not. 
But the neat thing about it is God has equipped you so that you can overcome every attack from the enemy in your life. Come on, everybody shout hallelujah for that. It really is true. So, we know the sower sows the word. From salvation to deliverance to righteousness, peace, and joy to healing to the godly wisdom. God's promised all of this in his word. And it's, listen, but it all comes to us in seed form. In seed form. It's kind of like getting a little bag of seed. It's interesting, isn't it, how tiny the little seed, the, the flower seeds are? They're so tiny. But my goodness, you plant them. They, I mean, I love, I'm the one that takes care of the flowers in the summertime. Amen. Uh, I, I just enjoy being outside. I just love that. I don't have a green thumb, but I really enjoy doing that. And just love it. Uh, springtime comes, and I just, it's, it's not nature a miracle that the ground gets so stinking hard and cold in the wintertime, but in the spring, life starts to come. I think that is such a miracle. I'm glad I'm excited about it. <laughs> I just love it. Maybe I'm just getting enjoying flowers more because I'm getting older, and they're going to bring them to my funeral. <laughs> Amen. So, every promise is in seed form, meaning you have to plant it. Let's go on, verse 14. And the sower sows the word. Now, the ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. But when they hear, the Bible says, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message that was sown in them. Now, the side reference of my Bible calls these people the uh, indifferent. Indifferent means having no particular interest. So, the hard-hearted person, and I believe... In Jesus' name, that's none of us here. But the hard-hearted person hears, but he has no real interest in taking to heart what is being said. To them, the hard hearer, to them, the message is irrelevant to their lives or their lifestyles. They actually say, I don't know who he's talking to, but he's not talking to me. That's the, ir- that's the irrelevant hearer. He, he hears the message, but he doesn't take it to heart. Or he has elbow he has elbow disease. He's always, it's always for someone else. He's poking the one next to him. But God has something to say to all of us. Can I have an amen? Every time the word is preached, we all, have to, we all, every one of us have to stop and consider what the Spirit is endeavoring to say to us at that moment. Because it's something for me. And if I cast it off as irrelevant, I will have missed God's instruction his correction, and his direction. This is so important because every time we come together, together, God is saying something to you. He's saying something to me. He's wanting me to hear something, to help correct my life, to help uh, direct my life. Faith comes by hearing. Amen? So, can a believer be hard-hearted? Well, not in the beginning of his salvation. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet, he said this, God saying through the prophet, he said, I will give you a new heart and, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Hallelujah. And again, that promises to whosoever believes. How many here can say you've, your life has honestly been changed in some measure since you got saved? Raise your hand. I want to see your hand. Yeah. So you know that. Nobody has to convince you that the Word of God does change your life. Amen. But you and I know, we know this, that life today is unbelievably hectic. And I get up in the morning, 
I crawl out of bed in the morning only to crawl in bed. I'm also just stay in bed because the day just goes by so fast. No, just kidding. But doesn't it go by fast? And it doesn't go by fast because I'm older. Because even the young people are saying time is flying by. It's just going by so quick. And so there, that's, that's why these services uh, that we do provide you or the Bible studies are important for your life. Because every time you get together, it's like you're, going, you're stepping into school and you're learning the principles of God's Word so that you can, you can uh, face what's going on out there. I'm telling you, the world has always been dark, but it is getting darker in our generation, and we need the light of God's Word to be flooding our souls and our hearts. Can I have an amen? Very important. So he promised that he would change the heart, and he did. But can a, can a, can a believer become hard-hearted? Absolutely. The per- perfect example of that is Cain. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to use him a little later in the teaching to show, show you how this whole parable fits his life. But Cain was the first son of Adam and Eve. First son meaning he was, he was the, he was the um, son of, of uh, he was the heir to his, father's, uh, to his father's name, his father's fame, and his father's fortune. And most importantly, he was to become the spiritual leader for his family. You older kids, I'm serious about this. You older kids, you have a responsibility uh, to, be, to set a spiritual atmosphere for your brothers and sisters in your personal life so that they will follow the Lord. It is, I mean, it's always been that way from the very beginning of time. The Bible says in the process of time, you'll see that phrase in Genesis 4.3, internally things begin to change for Cain to such a degree that when God himself came to Cain to talk to him and address the problem and to correct the course of what was taking root in his life, Cain would not listen. And the more he entertained the evil thoughts of envy, jealousy, and offense, the angry he became. And the more hardened he became until finally the harvest season came. And the Bible says that Cain took his brother out into the field and he killed him. The field is the place of seed time and harvest. Something that would have never happened if he would have been overseeing his heart. Hardness of heart can be caused by a variety of things. Let me give you a few of those. A repetition of hardships. It can. Disappointments, setbacks, losses, betrayals, offenses. Allowing your anger to get out of control. Unforgiveness. Listen to this. A constant pounding. And this happens all the time. We were just talking about Ella. Ella and I were talking about it on the way uh, to church. She said, uh, de- uh, uh, Papa, what are these signs of talking about women being abused? I, be, I, said, be, I said, what they are doing is a supporting, uh, a, a supporting uh, um, ways for women uh, to get help that are being beaten by their husbands. But hard hearts can take place because of a constant pounding of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, until all of a sudden you don't realize, but all of a sudden you become hardened to the very nature of God. It happens all the time. Any man that beats his wife is a coward. He's not a man. I just, it's unbelievable things that, that people do. And as Christians, we should avoid <coughs> even the, the, the worst of these behaviors. Listen, it's very interesting. Over time, we can become so calloused. First, it happens emotionally and then spiritually. Jesus revealed the root cause of divorce. Listen, he said, because of the hardness of your hearts, 
God himself confronted Cain and told him exactly what to do. Listen, but instead, Cain divorced himself from God's will to carry out his own. How many of us divorce ourselves from God's will? I mean, in moments, in moments of life, we divorce ourselves from God's will because we want our own. And all it causes is deeper wounds, greater callousness in our lives. And God does not want that. So what is the answer? Hosea 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. See, that's our, you have to do it. Break up your fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. The Amplified says, break up your uncultivated ground for it's time to seek the Lord. Listen, we can spend our lives. Every one of us have a story. Every one of us have an event. Every one of us have an experience of being hurt. We can spend our lives blaming others for what, they have res- what has resulted in great suffer- personal suffering. We can. Or we can stop for a moment and think about how much God has forgiven us. And by faith, forgive. I mean, that's the only resolve to a change in your life. Jesus said it this way. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it and let it go in order that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Years ago, we had a, when I was just a kid, I was 20, um, we were just married. Uh, yeah, we, we were living in Montevideo, Minnesota, just married, and, and we got a phone call from our neighbor on the farm. We lived, in, we lived on a, a farm when I was growing up. Our neighbor just lived down the road. And uh, he had, um, he had uh, five kids. And uh, his youngest, her name was Colleen. And Colleen was a precious, she had, we were godparents to Colleen. She was just a precious, she had a real tender heart, real precious young lady. Of course, I wasn't saved. I mean, I was saved at that, at that time, but I wasn't saved when we knew them on the farm. And Colleen went to, uh, uh, to the school I went to, Maynard. And, uh, and um, uh, they were coming home one night from a Friday night fling. And the girls were drinking. And the car rolled over, and she had her head sticking out the window, vomiting, and the frame of the window crushed her head, and she was killed. So, of course, you know, we went to the funeral, and the family was just devastated from such a horrific loss in their lives. And Dad's name was Herman. In fact, I just went to his funeral a couple of years ago. He passed away. And um, he never got over that. He never got over that. What was, ha- was their best friends, their closest friends, the Olsons. We knew the Olsons. Uh, they farmed just a section away from them, and uh, we knew exactly where they lived. We knew them when we were growing up. They literally hated the Olson family because it was their daughter that was driving the vehicle. And they never, ever got over it. And they, he kept that, he held that in, him, in his heart till he died. And what a tragedy. And, of course, you know, he probably didn't have... The good news, the understanding that he literally couldn't forgive by faith and be free from that. But that's horrific to, to, to hold on to that for 40 years, 50 years. It was a tragedy. So whether we like it or not, as Christians, we can become. As Christians, we can be, not become. We, we, as Christians, we, there are times we are very, very cruel and very mean. And I've, I've been guilty of it. 
We don't mean to. It's just that there are certain periods of time in our lives, you know, where we're going through things and facing situations, and, and uh, we just uh, begin to vent and, and let our emotions out. And it can be sometimes you say things that you wish you'd have never said. And the only resolve to a hard heart is to have a tender heart. And the only way to a tender heart is if you just humble yourself before the Lord and allow Him to work inside of you and ask Him to forgive you of the very things that sometimes we ourselves end up doing. And that's hurting one another. We were at the wedding yesterday and there was a, it was the grandpa of um, Brock. And they live in Oregon. And they're Christians, him and his wife. My goodness, what a precious couple. And he said to me, Pastor, wouldn't it be amazing if we Christians would simply just exercise the spirit of love? And uh, it would be a whole different environment. For, uh, Jesus, when he said that in Mark eleven twenty five, you know what Mark eleven twenty three is, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. If you want mountain-moving faith, then you're going to have to let things go and let them drop. Finally, uh, just a couple neat scriptures. Now, Psalms 51, I've cried reading it. I've cried reading Psalms 51. Why? Because it's David crying out to God for the horrific act of violence that he committed against Bathsheba's husband. He had him murdered because he got Bathsheba pregnant. And instead of going to his closest officer, just saying, man, I blew it. I made a horrific mistake. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. He strategically planned his murder and had him murdered. So in this Psalms 51, you can read it. And out of his heart of remorse, of guilt, of shame, he begins to cry out to God. And here's what he says that God loves. God, for you, to delight, uh, for you delight not in sacrifice, or else would I give it. You find no pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, watch this, the acceptable sacrifice uh, to God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. And what's so amazing about that is that what's so amazing about that is that God heard the cry of his heart. Now I don't know about you. If this you've done something in your life that you go, my oh, God, I'll never get forgiven for this. Never. I've been there. It had no fun being there. Because you live with such guilt and you live with such heaviness of heart. Because you think, man, can God ever forgive me? Well, the good news is Jesus set a standard 70 times 7. Not for you to take advantage of that, but for you to know it's available. And that if you've sown that in other people's lives, it'll be available to you. Proverbs 28, 14 says, It's blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord at all times, regardless of the circumstances. Watch this. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. I just want you to know that if you're carrying something in your life, you can let it go today. 
Feelings, listen, have never, ever, feelings have never been a part of God's redemption for mankind. If he'd have been moved by feelings, he'd have rejected us all. But he loves us in spite of our frailty, our weaknesses, our dysfunctions, all the goofy things in our lives. He loves us in spite of it all. But when it comes to our responsibility as Christians, like Cain, we can divorce ourselves from God's will or we can embrace what God promises His Word, that if we would repent or when it comes to others doing things against us, we just, by faith, let it go because we know that's exactly what God would do for us. Wow, what a wonderful thing, the gift of repentance and the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.